Good morning, Orchardville Church. Amen. Good to see everybody today. Hope you're all chipper this morning. Yeah, are you chipper? Yeah. Hey, I do want to thank you all for uh, uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month last month for all your cards and gifts. Thank you guys so much. I tell you, this has to be one of the most generous churches that I, I, I've ever been in. And, and I want to thank you all, okay? Thank you very, mu- very much for all that. <clears throat> Couple of things before we get started. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that uh, now we had Sunday school signups uh, out front there. We had a kiosk out there. We had Sunday school signups. But if you didn't sign up for Sunday school and you still want to attend, we want you to attend. And if you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, you need to do... There's really about three things that will ensure your growth with the Lord. One of them is Sunday school. But not only, you won't only learn about, you know, the word of God and spiritual truths in Sunday school, but you'll also meet some great people. And you'll, so you'll meet some great people. And then also midweek, you need to come to that. Midweek is, is awesome. Uh, we go deeper in the Word of God, and we, and we get into some better things. Some, or I won't say better, I'll say deeper things of the Word of God. We've got great things for your kids uh, and stuff like that. So do those two things. And then, of course, you also need to read the Word of God. Uh, also, one more thing, Judgment House testimonies. You know, Judgment House, it was a great success, and we're just so thankful that the Lord was able to, to use us uh, in Judgment House. Uh, and we have several testimonies. And if you want to see those testimonies, you can go on Facebook, uh, Orchardville Church on Facebook, and you'll, and you'll see those testimonies. All right? If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 3. Matthew 3, 13. First book in the New Testament. Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Plan ahead. Is there anybody in this room that believes that they will live forever? (laughs) That's a trick question. You will live somewhere forever, won't you? Right. Is there anybody in this room that thinks they'll live on this earth forever? No. No, even, even the young people, they might feel it, They might think they are, but the truth is that we won't. So that's why it's very important for us to plan ahead because it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. And of course, it's it's another great day at Orchardville Church and as we have another baptism today, and I'm I'm so thankful to have another baptism. Uh, You know, it's not just a baptism. It's a new way of life. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of living. It's a change. It's a declaration. Matthew 3.13, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bibles. Matthew 3.13. And while, uh, while you're turning there, let me just say, if you're trying to make changes in your life, and you're trying to do it without the Word of God being implanted in your life and being sown in your life, you're fighting an uphill battle. You will fail miserably trying to make changes in your life if you try to do it without putting the Word of God inside of you. 
Romans 12, 2, it says, be ye transformed. It tells us to be ye transformed. And most of us want to be transformed, but then it goes on to tell us, by the renewing of your mind, talking about putting the Word of God inside of our mind so that we can make the changes that we really want to make anyway. So I encourage you to do that. Matthew 3.13, we'll read down through 17. says, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for it is this way. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, we do worship you today and we praise you today, Father. And Father, we just pray, Father, today, if there's someone here that does not know you as our Lord and Savior, or if there's someone here that has not committed their life and followed, followed in obedience through in baptism, we just pray, Father, that you'll speak to their hearts today, that you'll bring them closer to you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in Matthew 3, it's important that we, that we understand the cultural setting of the day. Because Jesus came, came to this earth, and of course, the, the Jewish nation knew that the Messiah was coming. The Jewish nation knew it because of the hundreds of prophetic, the hundreds of prophecies that have been spoken of from the prophets of God in the Old Testament. The Pharisees, they, they knew that there's things coming, there was change coming. So, so it's important for us to know that in this cultural setting, in this day, that no Jewish person would ever be baptized. Because they already had a covenant with God. They already had a relationship with God. They was already God's chosen people. All right? Can you see that? They were already, they already had that bond with God. God had told them that, that they were his chosen people. So they was already like this. And that's what young David said when he comes up against Goliath. David knew, he said, I have a covenant with God. And then he talks about the giant Goliath and he says, who is this uncircumcised that has no relationship with God? So it would have not been common at all and no Jewish person would have been baptized in this setting. There was no need. They was already God's chosen people. God had brought them out of bondage. God had brought them into the promised land. And he had fulfilled hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament that he is going to send the Messiah into the world to save the world. 
But we read in Matthew 3 that when Jesus himself was baptized, it was one of his first public acts. It was one of the first things he done in public was to be baptized. You see, when Jesus Christ came to the earth, he opened the door for every nation, every race, every religion, every stature of family. He opened the door for everybody to have an opportunity to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. He opened that door. Even if a Muslim or a Buddhist come to Christ, he will no ways cast them out. But he'll usher them in and just like he would any one else on the face of the earth. When Jesus come to the earth, he opened the door for each and every person around the world. Erasing our sins. Erasing the conflicts between us and God. Bringing us to a place where the scripture says that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. You know what? There's a word in the scriptures that I think that we, that we overlook many times. And that's the word Father. Because God wants us to look at him as our father, as our heavenly father. Not someone that we can't touch or not someone that we can't talk to. But someone that we can take our troubles to. Someone that we can share our victories with. Someone that has compassion for us. Someone that gives us grace. But here in Matthew 3, we've seen that even though Jesus was the sinless, very son of God, he gladly entered that water into baptism. And in that one act, he could not have made it clearer for everyone of that day, and even today, that there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to erase our past. There's only one way to erase our sins. And that's through Jesus Christ. And following him in obedience and following him in baptism. There's only one way. If the very son of God wanted and showed us to be baptized, surely we, everyone else in the world should be baptized. Amen. Amen. You see, he identified himself with everyone. Every person that he came to seek and save. The Bible says he came to seek and save that which is lost. And when he entered into that water, he identified himself with everyone. You and me and everybody you know. From the kindest person you know to the vile of vilest sinners that you know. He identified himself with, the, with everybody in that one act of submitting himself to the will of God. That one act that if the very son of God was to be baptized, everyone else needed to follow in obedience. Mm. 
Then in Matthew 3, 17, I'm gonna read that once again. It says, behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I think there God was making sure that nobody misunderstood. He was making sure that there was no misunderstanding. God was confirming this act of obedience with his very own voice. You know what I think he was saying? I think he was saying, I don't care what the Pharisees thought or what the Pharisees' understandings were, their interpretations was. I think God was saying, I don't care what, your, what misconceptions your mom or your dad or your grandmas and grandpas might have. God was erasing all that. And God was saying, this right here is what the only way back to me through my son, Jesus Christ, is the only way to rid yourself of your pains and your sorrows and your addictions and your sins and your regrets. Only through the, my son, Jesus Christ, is the only way. I think God wanted to make sure there was no mistake about it, so he spoke it with his own voice for all the world to hear. But you know, God still speaks that today. Here, 2,000 years later, God still speaks the same thing. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to get out of the miry mess that we are in, and that's by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. Yeah, I know about most of you. I won't call any names, although I could. We tried for years and years to do it our own way. We tried to find peace. We tried to find comfort. We tried to change our actions, change the way we do things, and we failed miserably. And if anything, and it, most of us, if we was honest, the harder we tried, the farther we sank. Until one day. We put our belief and our trust in an age-old promise where Jesus said, whoever comes, whoever calls upon my name, I will no way cast out. And in those moments, we became children of God and God raised us from that miry muck and he raised us up. Not that, not that we do anything in ourselves, but we come, just what Ephesians 2 says, we went from being children of wrath. Ephesians 2 says that. It says that prior to receiving Christ, we were children of wrath. Because, very simply, because we live in a fallen world. And that's why we have to be born again. Because each and every one of us, we was born into a fallen world. We was born into sin. And that's why we have to be reborn. We have to be reborn from the Spirit of God and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It's the only way. But you know, there's something that we need to understand. We need to understand that it's, it's just not about allowing our lives to be changed. It's about giving our lives wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. To letting him have all of the good things in our life. 
and letting him have all the bad things in our life. You see, I think, I think a lot of times this is where we miss it sometimes. You know, we, we might receive Christ our Lord and Savior. We might even get baptized, but we just don't want to let go of that steering wheel. We just don't want to give up. You know, we think we've got a good plan for our life, you know. A lot of us even think, well, I'm doing pretty good on my own. You know, I look at what all I've built. Look what all I've done. I'm doing pretty good on my own. I don't want to give God full control. But let me tell you, you'll never walk in the places that God has ordained you to walk in if you don't let him have control. It's like the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, take the wheel. But there's a problem with that video. You know what the problem is, don't you? Yes, we should ask Jesus to take the wheel, but not just in right before we have a rack. Right? That song, you know, just she's driving, they're driving a the car and everything is great. And then right before she hits something, Jesus, take the wheel. I got an idea. <laughs> Let's have, let Jesus take the wheel all the time. All the time. Not just right before we run off a cliff. Not right before we reach the lowest of lows. Not right before our lives are destroyed by one stupid act or one stupid decision. Hey, let's try something different. Let's just let him have control all the time. See, he's the one that knows the beginning from the end. You know what, I'll tell you, I hope you know this, but if you don't, God is the only one that knows exactly what will make you happy. He's the only one that knows what will make you content in life. And no, I know, it's not a new vehicle. Although we all love new vehicles. I don't because they always come with a payment, right? But we all love that stuff. We like houses and we like four-wheelers and we like side-by-sides and we like, uh, you know, uh, a good bow, a high-dollar bow that'll hit a deer even when, you know, if we're checking out, it'll still hit a deer. We like a good high-caliber gun with a scope on it. We like those things, but none of them, none of those things will make you happy. My goodness, just look at where all the money is in New York and California and Chicago and look at all the misery in those cities. It's not about that. But see, when we allow Jesus to take the wheel in every area of our life, he leads us to a place of peace. He leads us to a, in, into relationships, not only with him, but with also those around us. He leads us to a place that you cannot get to on your own. That is coming from a, a man that has made about every mistake under the sun. I've tried about all of it. And I am here to tell you, save yourself a lot of heartache. Learn from other people's mistakes. Give your life to Christ. Let him take the wheel. So baptism, it represents death. Just as Jesus was buried after his death on the cross, right? We all know. We all know that Jesus died on the cross. Now notice this. Think about this for a minute. 
Jesus had to die on the cross before he could be raised from the dead. I know that's, that's not real deep, is it? But think about it. He had to die before he could be raised from the dead. I'm telling you this morning, we have to die before we can be born again. I think that's the problem so much of the time when we, when we see individuals, you know, they want to give their heart to the Lord and they want to do this and they want to do that. But then just a few months later, they're gone and they're not serving the Lord no more. What happened? I'll tell you what I think. I don't think they died. I don't think the old person died. If we don't die, I'll tell you what happens. If we don't die, you're half dead and you're half born again and you're riding a fence. And like I've said many times, riding a fence is the most uncomfortable place in the world. And you'll be miserable. You'll be miserable. Oh, but man, I tell you what, every once in a while I, I, I see somebody get saved. I see somebody get saved and they are just so free. Man, they don't care. They don't care about their car. They don't care about their bank account. They don't care about their home. They're just so thankful that the old man is dead and the new man is living. You know what? It's just so refreshing to see when that happens because because all they want to know is just, God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to do? You see, that's when we know the old man is dead. When we ask God, where do I go today? When we ask God, who do I talk to today? When we ask God, who do I give to today? Who do I help today? That's when we know that the old man is dead. So that's what baptism is. Baptism is a declaration that the old man is dead. And unless that old man dies, we cannot be born again. I've, uh, an older, older gentleman from, uh, from Wayne City years ago, years ago, he's been dead for a long, long time. But he'd always say, you gotta get them lost before you can get them saved. And there's a lot of truth to that. You know, if you ever come to God and you ever try to receive Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you think, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not all bad. You know, yeah, I need a Savior and I've done things wrong, but I'm not all bad. You're not dead. You didn't die. The scripture is very clear that in ourselves we are nothing, but through Christ Jesus, we can do anything. Amen. 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 So the baptism is a declaration that the old man is dead. John 3, 3, it says that you must be born again. And of course, the only way to be born again if the old man dies. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it tells us that old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. But that's only if we allow the old man to die and we leave him there. You know, when it comes to baptism, we show the whole world symbolically through baptism that the old man is dead. And we also show the whole world and to God the new birth also. Because when we are lowered down into the water, 
It symbolizes the death of Christ on the cross, right? It's symbolizing his death. And so when we go down in the water, it's symbolizing our old man is dead. And then also when we come up out of the water, it's symbolizing new life. It's symbolizing that we are no longer a child of wrath. We're no longer the, the, the same old person that's mean and ornery. But from that moment on, we're a child of God's. Amen. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward commitment. That we are dying to Christ, dying to self and living for Christ. When we are baptized, we are saying to God in the world that we are now a servant of God. And I, I probably don't talk about that enough. If you receive Christ, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. If you receive Christ and are baptized and your life doesn't change very much, we need to talk. If there's not drastic changes in your life after you receive Christ and after you're baptized, well, you need to rethink that. You need to rethink that commitment. Now, here's what baptism is not. Baptism is not saying that we're perfect. You're not going to be perfect just because you receive Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're baptized. But you will have different desires. You'll have a desire to serve God. You'll have a desire to get to know him. I've seen many great things happen during baptismal service. I've seen emotional healings. I've seen relationships restored. I've seen attitudes changed. I've seen people cry like a baby as the Holy Spirit rests upon them, it's quite remarkable. You know, the Holy Spirit, he, he came and rested upon Jesus, but, but you know, there's nothing to lead us to believe that, that the same thing does not happen to us when we get baptized too. Power of the Holy Spirit, we should go into baptism with an expectation. An expectation of knowing that God has more for us. You see, God doesn't want us to do anything and waste our time. Everything that God has us do is for a purpose. It's for a reason. So when we go into baptism, we should expect things to happen. We should expect power from on high. We should expect God to be well pleased with us. We should expect those things. We should expect things. I mean, you have to admit, when someone dies, it's a major event in every life, in every culture. And you know what else? When a new child is born, it's also a major event in every culture, in every life, isn't it? And it's the same way when it comes to baptism. We can expect a fresh anointing. We can expect revelation like never before. We can expect understanding from the word of God like never before. Stay with me just another, another moment. We're, we're, we're almost finished. Throughout history, there's been a, primarily a couple different ways baptism. 
Sometimes it's by submersion, sometimes by sprinkling. Now here at Orchardville Church, we, we try to follow those, the scriptures, the word of God as closely as we can, and, and we do it by submersion. Let me just give you a couple reasons why. When Jesus was baptized by John at the, at the River Jordan, the Bible says that he came up out of the water. In Acts 8, when Philip would baptize a believer, it said that they went down into the water, and it says that they come out of the water. So we do that by submersion. Now let me tell you, baptism is not the same as a baby dedication. Baptism is not the same as, ba- as being sprinkled as a baby. It's not the same. Because baptism is someone of a reasonable age that understands the difference between obeying God and not obeying God. Someone of a reasonable age that they understand that they want to do things different. They have to understand that they have done wrong in life and that they need a savior. The difference between Baptism and a baby dedication is tremendous. And we believe in baby dedication. We're going to have one here before too long. And we've seen, we have a reference for that in the scriptures where Hannah, Hannah uh, she dedicated her son to the Lord. So it's important to do that. Pray, see if you'll go ahead and come, please. Will you all stand with me, please, as we go to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, we worship you today and we praise you today. Father, we thank you that you did send your son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. Not that you expect us to be perfect, but you do expect us to be obedient unto you. Father, we thank you, Father, for calling us closer to you. We thank you for coming and and for Jesus dying on the cross that we may have an open relationship with you that we may have a father and son and father and daughter relationship with the God of the universe. The one that knows the number of hairs upon our head and the one that knows what satisfies us in life and the one that knows the beginning from the end, the one that knows what makes our children happy and what makes them prosperous on the inside. We thank you, Father, for all of these things. I want to ask you this morning if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior or if you've never made a public confession in baptism I just want to tell you it's it's not my opinion but it's by the authority of God's word that declares you need to do that I'm going to repeat that again you need to do that. First Peter, one of my favorite scriptures, you probably know that. It says that it's God's will for none to perish, but all come to the knowledge of Christ. It's God's will for all to come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to live in heartache and frustration. He wants to lead everybody to a place of victory, a place of happiness, a place of contentment. 
So I ask you the question. What's your next step? What is it? What is your next step? Is it to surrender your life to God? Is it to surrender your life to His will? To His direction? Is it to remind your old self that the old man really is dead? Is it to pick up your cross and follow Him on a regular basis? Is it a commitment to read your Bible on a regular basis? Maybe it's a commitment to pray in the morning or maybe pray on your lunch hour and pray in the evening. You know, it's really not that hard to do. Pray in the morning, pray at noon, and pray in the evening. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it is baptism. Maybe at one time in your life you asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you, but you've never followed through with baptism. Well, Jesus is our great example of that, and you need to do that. So as the altars are open, please come. Please come. We'll pray with you. Those to be baptized, Kevin is right over there by the door. Go ahead and make your way over there. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, I have a... I have a feeling. I have a, I have a sense. There's those here that need strength from the Lord. There's those here that need more. If, if, you, if you need a touch from God or if you want a touch from God, please come. But please don't make me call you out. If you need God to help you, to strengthen you, to raise you up, you need to come forward and ask Him. God has called some of you to do special things, but you cannot do them on your own. We have to have Him. It's His plan. It's His, it's His purpose. It's His agenda. Come on. Come on now. Come on. I know some of you need help. Don't wait. Don't wait until next week and then call me. Come now and avoid those things next week. Come now and ask God to strengthen you. Ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to give you power that you do not have. Open your heart to Him. My goodness, has it come to us getting on our knees as believers? Has it come to that? Oh, Lord, help us. I'll I'll just... When's the last time you got on your knees? And you wonder why your life is going to Ray? I don't mean to be mean. I say this with a loving heart. But sometimes I think God thinks, he says, I sent my son to remove everything between you and me. And I gave you my Holy Spirit, the power of my Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. 
I think sometimes God says, what more do you want me to do? God says, I, I, I ask you to come boldly to the throne. I ask you to follow me. What more do you want him to do? Oh, oh Lord, we love you. I'm so thankful that you love us. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618 835-2677.